In case we hadn't mentioned already, perhaps useful for you to know, these initial uh, Dhamma talks we'll be giving will be focused primarily with regard to the, uh, the meditation instructions and practice in quite a direct and specific way as a basis for establishing the practice of insight meditation and uh, as well as the instructions some reflections around those various themes and topics but uh, this this will be the case for the first five or six days and then we'll probably uh, open out the range of themes that we're exploring so uh, it's not really the case that uh, it's that different between one or the other whether we're talking about uh, the Dhamma in a broader sense or specifically practice instructions they tend to uh, weave together but in terms of the initial sense of what it is to enter into retreat to establish oneself in a meditative mode of being or way of engaging it's useful to regularly come back to the primary intention which is to simply be aware to be awake to be present in a way in which we are connected and open to what experience is arising and to whatever that experience is revealing and we see and recognize that uh, to some greater or lesser degree the mind it seems resists being present or at least uh, has many other uh, avenues it seems open to it for uh, engaging in ways and habits of habitual activity that leads to unconsciousness to not being present and so the, the primary initial thrust is towards establishing that capacity for presence in a more steady and sustained way and this requires an immense degree of, of patience and uh, application of the simple intention to come back, to reconnect without at all measuring or being concerned as to how many times the attention has been drawn away a simple and yet clear intention to re-engage and in doing so I understand Christina spoke about the breath some yesterday with regard to using that as uh, for many it's incredibly helpful as a, as a primary focus as the a place that we can learn to rest our attention that can serve both in the development of calm, st- stability, steadiness and equally in the development of understanding, of insight and uh, the breath as an experience will continue to be a very beneficial support for most people in their practice in an ongoing way and yet also to understand the breath as not somehow being the exclusive object of our practice if we're using it as the focus or the anchor that as well as that degree of steadying and focusing the mind there is at the very same time the parallel process of opening up to the full range of our experience learning to meet it all consciously 
ultimately to welcome it with interest as each and every moment reveals and offers the opportunity for understanding, for awakening, for opening our hearts. And yet to begin with it can seem that if we simply just try and open up to everything at once we'll get easily lost. And this is often the experience of the mind in our worldly circumstances and uh, sometimes in the midst of our meditation too as though many different things are pulling in many different directions. And so without in any way placing a value judgment on different experiences we consciously choose to limit or reduce the field of attention initially to support that process of stabilizing. And yet understanding that ultimately we have no belief or idea that somehow we have to limit or restrain the field of experience. But we do need to understand it. And that understanding comes from a place of deeper connection, which is why initially it's useful to simplify And so we focus on the breath and also and equally as a foundation for practice, for presence, for calm and for insight. As a foundation for all of this, the body is what the Buddha described as the first foundation of mindfulness. The first foundation for the establishing of our mind in a conscious connection with experience. And the breath is an expression of body. It's part of bodily experience. And so as, as you begin to connect with the breath, you are connecting with body. You are entering into this foundation, this framework for meeting and viewing experience. The Buddha, just to imagine you're familiar with them, but just to outline that the the four foundations of mindfulness that the Buddha spoke of in the uh, Satipatthana Sutta, which I'd like to offer a little bit directly from in a little while. Um, He he spoke of the uh, mindfulness of body, form. He spoke of mindfulness of feelings, Vedana, the uh, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of experience. He spoke of mindfulness of the state of consciousness, the state of mind that we might be experiencing. And he spoke of mindfulness of dhammas, all experiences, all things, including contents of our mind and uh, both those contents of the mind that may be supportive and wholesome qualities and understandings and those qualities or experiences of mind that may be not so wholesome, not so supportive that may form uh, areas of delusion or hindrance in our practice. And we will, over the days, uh, take some time to reflect on all these different aspects, all these different foundations. But the first foundation of mindfulness, the body. Body is something we encounter quite directly. It's not really that we need to go looking for it in our meditation that much. Simply by putting ourselves in one place and staying there, the body tends to appear as the thing that's doing that. Because although my and my body comes in, I bring it here, or we come together, something like that, however you want to think about it. Um, we sit down, I sit down, it sits down. 
Um, and of course the mind might not stay very long at all. The idea of the mind staying for a 45-minute sitting, well, wow, that would be quite nice, wouldn't it? But it's probably not what happens. But the body stays. In the process of staying here, of course, sometimes it's not that comfortable. And even then, more strongly, our attention is brought into contact with it. So that happens even without really needing to try to pay attention to body. And yet it's really useful to give it conscious attention. To have a sense of the body as the foundation for practice, not just in the sitting, but throughout the day, throughout our retreat, and in fact the whole of our life. Body is that medium which actually, in a way, measures or defines the span of our our life, the span of this birth, is spoken of in terms of from this birth to this death. It's the body that is born and that dies. That is most primary, that is most obvious with regard to that. And so it should be an object of some interest for us. And yet, of course, our engagement with the body is often conceptual. It's often thinking about it measuring it, looking at different qualities it might appear to have in terms of size, weight, mass, texture, colour, um, all these different things. And we can see, we might, when we think about it conceptually, get find it a source of entanglement and even suffering. We can be wishing our body was a little different than it is, or perhaps wishing it was a lot different than it is could be bigger here or smaller there or more of this and less of that. And we can compare how it is to how it could be or how it is for someone else, we think. Or when it's uncomfortable or tired, we feel weary or we feel pain. It feels like sometimes the body is an obstacle. And yet it's simply what it is, the body, this experience. When we tune into it from the inside, when we're not relating to the images or the concepts that we have about body. The experience of body is something quite different. It's actually a very dynamic, alive um, dance, we could say, of experience, of sensations, of vibrations, of hot and cold, of hard and soft, of movement and stillness. And these three basic areas, temperature, pressure, Movement are mostly what we experience body as, and a remarkable range of variations and combinations. But mostly it comes down to degrees of hardness and softness, which is to do with pressure, degrees of warmth and coolness, which is temperature, and degrees of movement or stillness. And this is basically what our body experiences, this is what our tactile sense reveals, our body sense, our kinesthetic sense reveals. And when we bring our attention into that from the inside, there's something about being in contact with that that allows the mind to begin to settle. Because it's, although it's changing, and although at times it's uncomfortable, it's much more stable and steady than the mind. Certainly the mind in its ordinary condition in its untrained condition. And so there's a certain element of stability and of of presence 
that is in the simple bodily experience, which we access, which we connect with and to by bringing attention into the body. So, just giving attention to posture. Because again, I'm sure many, if not all of you, already do. But when we sit down, bringing the attention to the body and just sensing what it's like to be embodied, sitting here like this, in a chair, cross-legged, kneeling, however it might be. Just sensing what that is. It's really helpful to feel the three primary characteristics or elements, we could say, not characteristics, three primary elements of posture to establish a sense of groundedness in the body, which means feeling clearly a sense of contact with earth, the bottom on the cushion or seat or bench, knees or feet on the ground. So have a sense of something that's firm beneath us, this is the earth. And rather fortunately it holds us up. We don't sink into it. And there's something about that solidity beneath us that's actually really supportive. And the mind and its movement and its uh, going from here to there, there can often be a, a lack of a sense of ground, of something we can rest on. And connecting with the bodily experience of ground actually helps the mind to ground, to steady. And then within that, or established on that groundedness, a sense of uprightness in the body. Uprightness is there... It actually serves the bodily well-being. Our health is supported by a certain engaged or energised uprightness through the spine and torso, the neck and the head. First of all, it opens up the space in the torso, so it's not compressed by leaning forward or constricted by pulling back too much. So there's actually space for the organs and the life in the torso and abdomen to... uh, do what it does, which basically, you know, runs the body, provides the balancing and uh, nourishing and cleansing functions of the body. So upright. That uprightness also, it's like a certain intentionality. When we engage the body upright, it of course requires the mind to do that. And a certain uprightness of mind or alertness of mind is incredibly helpful in meditation practice. We need that. And then with that uprightness, also relaxing. It's like, we don't need to become tense or tight in that uprightness. And again, in the body, we can feel through the core a sense of firmness as we establish an upright posture. But around that, where it's not needed, we don't require our jaw or our shoulders to keep us upright. For the most part, they can relax. And so many places in the body tend to hold tension when they don't really need to. So in terms of the third element of posture, just allowing space for that sense of relaxation in the body. And again, this expresses a quality that supports the mind to just be at ease. That we have in practice the clear intention to be present, to open to our experience. And yet that intention needs to be balanced by a willingness to receive just whatever comes, including the fact that sometimes we're not present, but to begin again. So the body, upright and yet relaxed, supports the mind to be alert and yet at ease. 
And while I say that, of course, talking about mind and body as completely separate things is useful in a certain way to understand how to work with them. But ultimately they are so interconnected and so profoundly influencing each other, we can also see them as not being completely separate. And so I'm not trying to make an absolute separation here, but just noticing this aspect of experience we call body. And then noticing the change, the the movement, the play of experience in the body. In sitting meditation, sometimes it's very useful to just let the attention go to wherever bodily sensation draws your attention, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. If something stands out to you, you can just spend some time being with that. If there's an area of tightness or contraction to just relax around it, breathe into it, can help with just allowing there to be some space. When I say breathe into it, it's like as you breathe out, just feeling the quality of that outbreath, which has a relaxing, releasing vibration to it, just allowing that to be felt into the area of tightness or contraction or discomfort, giving space. And in that the body, of course, not just in sitting meditation, but in walking, is primary. Again, in the walking, the sense of feet touching the ground, sense of legs lifting up, moving forward, placing the foot back down on the ground. Sense of the body moving through space, walking on the earth, in the air, under the sky. Sense of body, again, is that which we refer to primarily in walking meditation. And which serves that deeper and deeper establishing of a connection, a conscious presence. And in fact, all activities that we engage in tend to involve our body when we're moving from one place to another. When we're coming and going. As the Buddha said, we notice that we're coming, we notice that we're going. When we're reaching out for something, bending and stretching. It's amazing how many activities of our body involve bending and stretching. Almost all of them are one or the other. Bending one thing or stretching another. And various combinations of this lead us to lift our feet, to stand up to reach for a cup of tea, to lift it to our mouth, to open our mouth, to close our mouth, to put the tea down. All of that involves simple movements of bending or stretching in different directions. And just tuning into this, beginning to use this, because if we can use this, the body provides something that's always there. So long as you're here, it's here. And Therefore, in a very simple and direct way, it is a, a conduit or an invitation to wakefulness, to presence. Because when the mind is in touch with the body, in the present moment, there is a quality of a wakefulness that begins to strengthen and deepen. And this is why the Buddha spoke about the incredible value and benefit of being mindful of body. He spoke about this on a number of occasions. And he he said, 
with regard to this that it's suffering that arises. I'm not quoting him specifically here. It's more the general uh, teaching. That suffering is something that arises in our mind through the activity of mind, through the clinging and grasping and resistance and aversion that is born of blindness, of not seeing clearly. And it's in the mind, this blindness, avidya, not seeing, that this arises. And so it's actually in the mind that we need to understand this, through the mind. And yet the mind is slippery. The mind moves quickly. It transfigures from one thing to another, moment by moment. And so the body, which is more stable in a certain way, it's not that stable, but it's more stable than the mind. I mean, Dharma teachings don't really say anything of body or mind as stable. But relatively speaking, the body changes and moves much more slowly than the mind. And so paying attention to the body enables us to start to see the way things are more clearly. And as the Buddha said quite specifically, when the body is known, the mind is known. So we're looking at body, using body to ground ourselves, but in that way, casting light upon the mind. And in that casting light upon the mind, we begin to see the mechanism of suffering. And we begin to recognize the possibility for the release and the ending of suffering. And again, the Buddha said, Within this fathom long body, a fathom is about six foot, two meters, or a bit less than two meters. Within this fathom long body, all of the Dharma is revealed. The truth of suffering, dukkha, the cause of dukkha, the end of dukkha, and the pathway that leads there too. All this is revealed in the body. And so with this, a really strong and clear injunction to establish attention in the body, with the body. And in doing so, the Buddha suggested reflecting on different elements of our bodily experience. He spoke about being aware of the, the components, the way the body is made up of lots of parts. Sometimes this is more reflective or contemplative, but can be useful when we have, because it can be quite some attachment at times to the body, to see it's made up of all these different pieces. It's heart and liver and lungs and kidneys. There's bones and blood and various fluids and hair and nail and skin and all this tissue and just saying this is what it is it's something compounded and constructed the value of seeing and reflecting upon this as the Buddha pointed out was to see that this bodily experience is not something fixed it's something that's grown born of conditions and that if we seek ultimate satisfaction in it we'll be disappointed because it can't provide us that this body that's not to say we should reject it because it has its place and its crucial function in our well-being and in the journey of awakening. But ultimately it's not who we are. This body is just body. It has its nature. It has its function. But ultimately we cannot own it. It is born 
grows, at times it's ill, eventually through aging or illness or accident, death comes. And this is the nature of the body. All bodies are like this. And so seeing that, recognizing that, not becoming too invested in body by giving attention to it. And yet at the same time, and, and the, the giving attention to it is not intended to make us more concerned or tight or worried around our body. And yet to see that giving attention to the body serves us. There's something also in body to be honoured. And that the body is the vehicle of our journey. In India they talk about it as being the temple. It's the place you practice. It's here. It's in this body. And so it's important to bring a lot of respect and care and kindness to body as an expression of life. And not just of life, but of the sacredness of life as the place that we practice. Seeing body as body involves seeing the different parts, seeing its activity and movements, noticing that it's made up of different elements. And the Buddha this speaks of the elements of, of heat or fire, of water or cohesion, of air or movement, of earth or solidity, of space or say, absence. And just getting to know the experience of body in this way. You can see, oh, okay, sometimes there's heat there. And just noticing this is the element of heat. Often pain is associated with heat. Not always, but often. Of course, sometimes pleasure can be associated with heat too. Water element. Interestingly, isn't so much about liquidity. Uh, water element is to do with cohesion. If you kind of wonder why that might be, it's a little strange to first think. Water, cohesion, it's what water does to a pile of dust or flour. If you take a bunch of dust and add water, you get mud. Take a bunch of flour and add water, you get dough. You take a bunch of uh, ashes and add water, you get a body. And if you take the water away, you get ashes again. That's part of how that's understood. Water is the element that coheres. Then air element is movement. When we notice movement in our body, That's air element, so fluidity, movement, change. Earth element, a sense of solidity. And these things I've spoken about already, but relating them to the elements. We see that they're, oh, solidity, earth, a sense of heaviness or firmness in my body. That's really the same essential experience as the solidity or heaviness of earth. Seeing it in this way, we realize, oh, okay, that's just earth element, rather than having to feel... Like somehow it's personal or particular. It's part of the nature of experience. Likewise, space or absence. Places where there may feel to be an absence of sensation. Or a, a sensation of absence. Which is actually a slightly different thing. Again, reflecting or contemplating in this way, body shows us our connection with all things. Because all experiences are made up all, not all just experiences, sorry, but all things that manifest are made of this. All things that we touch with the five senses are made of 
earth, air, water, fire and space. And so when we feel at that elemental level, we're touching into the the elemental nature of all things. And in this way, we can sense body as part of all things. Body as part of life. It is not something that sets us apart. Although it appears to be that which distinguishes me from everything else. Because this is my body over here, and all those bodies are over there. So they must be different. I must be separate. That's the mind. But when we feel that actually the experience of this body is just the same elements as any other body, whether we call it a, a living body or a non-living body, actually the elemental qualities are the same. And so there can then be some sense of just, oh, okay, this is body, using this body in the service of awakening honouring this body out of a caring for life. And when difficult experience arises as it can, in different ways, in the form of patterns of thinking or emotional processes that are challenging, we'll speak more about these in the coming days, but just for now to know that sometimes when that's happening, what's really useful is to bring your attention into the body and just feel what it's like that this is happening, this frantic busyness of mind or this dull aching sadness of heart or whatever it might be that we're encountering coming into the body and just feeling it directly provides a way to anchor and ground the mind without rejecting the experience nor becoming lost in it and so in this way the body is very much a a platform and a foundation for deepening our capacity to stay present with even challenging experience. So I'd just like to read a little bit from from the Buddha's words in the uh, teaching on the four foundations of mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta. So the Buddha is speaking of practitioners. He says in his instruction, In this way they abide, contemplating the body as a body internally, or contemplating the body as a body externally. So being aware that this is body, and you can also be aware that out there are bodies too. Contemplating the body and its arising factors. It's the sense of what is coming to being right now what has passed out of experience, we see that body changes as an experience. Contemplating arising, contemplating vanishing of experience in the body. Seeing the body reveals things coming and going. So I'll read the passage. In this way he abides contemplating the body as a body internally or abides contemplating the body as a body externally or both internally and externally 
or else contemplating the body in its arising factors, its vanishing factors, or both its arising and vanishing factors. Or else mindfulness that there is a body is simply established to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and mindfulness. So just using the body as a basis for knowing we're here. And this is the, the Buddha's suggestion. And abiding independent, not clinging to anything in the world. This is how one abides, contemplating body as body. So abiding independent, not relying on any particular experience in the world. Relying or learning to rely on this capacity to abide, to be present, to be connected, to be aware and awake. This is ultimately what we can learn to rely on, to place our trust in and to allow our life to rest in, this capacity for awareness. And the, the Buddha goes on to say, when walking, one understands I am walking. When sitting, I am sitting. When lying down, I am lying down. Or he or she understands accordingly to however the body is disposed. So just knowing what posture the body is in. When you're having a cup of tea, sitting down comfortably. doesn't mean you have to sit up straight, but just knowing, ah, this is sitting. The body is like this. And again, a bhikkhu, or a bhikkhuni, it would be a monk or a nun, or a practitioner, such as yourselves, is one who acts in full awareness when going forward and returning, when looking ahead and looking away, when flexing and extending limbs, when eating, drinking, consuming food, going to the bathroom, walking, sitting, sleeping, falling asleep, waking up, talking and keeping silent. All these experiences can be referred to through the body and the encouragement really to do so. So in this way the body really provides a twofold function. It is a primary reference for the attention as a place of focusing, of gathering. And it's also an invitation and opportunity for discovering, for understanding, for realization. And so please Make good use of this fortunate circumstance that you have a body. Being aware that we none of us know for how long we haven't. This is uncertain. And using it in your meditation practice. It is truly a wonderful resource for awakening.
So there's a few minutes left of the scheduled sitting period. And, uh, I'll ring the bell at the end of that time, though of course you're welcome to continue to sit beyond that. For now I'd just uh, like to wish you well in your practice. And uh, look forward to meeting with some of you today and in future days. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.